Hello and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. Roger, you had the honor of preaching this past Sunday morning in an assembly of our church family, and you talked about light shining. Yeah, we have uh, the last couple of weeks, you the week before, then me this last Sunday, have been spending a lot of time talking about evangelism. And uh, evangelism, that very word, brings lots of different ideas to people, different concepts, uh, two weeks ago, you talked about what we really do from this congregation on a global standpoint, and we're reaching people in far countries and through the mediums, even like this podcast we're doing right now. It's, it's being listened to people all over the planet, and that's just a powerful, powerful tool. Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required, and that that reminds us of our responsibilities in this time and to do these things. Well, then this past Sunday, I kind of brought a little bit closer to home because it's one thing to evangelize on the other side of the world, but we also got to go across the street. And there's a local aspect of that. And so as Jesus was going through that Sermon on the Mount, very early in that sermon, he told those listeners, you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth. And we looked at Mark chapter 5, where we saw the demon-possessed man who Jesus had cast out legions of demons, and the man sitting down in his right mind, clothed, wanted to go with Jesus. And Jesus said, no, I want you to go home and tell your people what great things the Lord has done for you. And that's interesting, because that man hadn't gone to months of church services. I doubt he's heard lots of sermons. He didn't have an armful of tracks. But there's something he knew, and that was he once was possessed, and now he wasn't. And Jesus told him to go do that. And so from that, we just kind of walked through some practical things about evangelism. Evangelism is one of those things that scares a lot of disciples. We just get intimidated. We're afraid that someone's going to ask us something and we're going to look ridiculous or not know the answer or say the wrong thing. And so we talked about using the tools that a congregation has. And our place, we have lots of tools that people can share and, and help each other with. And we talked about using the team. Um, maybe you're not good at sitting down and having a one-on-one Bible study, but there's someone else in that congregation who can. You can arrange it. Someone else can do it. So use the team. It's not all up to you to do that. We talked about using our time and then using our talents. And, and all that kind of reminds us of this great responsibility. One of the things we really build upon in, in this lesson was this idea that this is the only way the kingdom grows. There is no other way, and we are the only people that can grow it. There's no other people that we can do. We can't hire an outside company to say, go evangelize for us. That won't work. It has to be God's people doing it God's way. Light Shining is the name of the sermon. It's freely available right there front and center at charlestownroad.org and in our sermon podcast feed. Roger, one of the things that really struck me as you were walking through that sermon and particularly uh, some concepts to consider, you brought out number one, you already know the Bible better than most people you encounter. And I'm not sure that I had thought about that before, but you highlighted, of course, members of our church family, the the sheer number of 
assemblies they are blessed to be a part of over the course of a year, Bible classes. We are so richly blessed when it comes to Bible class opportunities in person, but also just a variety of opportunities throughout the week to learn. I, I do completely agree with you that the uh, the the member in the pew who is faithfully plodding along and doing their best to soak in everything they can from that teaching and preaching and reading they really probably do know better than the the bible than most people they will come across and, in the neighborhood and, yeah and if you think about the number of hours it takes a uh, grad student to get, to get a PhD. You, you count how many hours he has to be in classes and write his thesis and all those things. And then you say, okay, here's, here's somebody who's been a Christian 10 years, 20 years. You put in that, those number of hours. How many classes? How many sermons? How many gospel means? All those things he has said, all those things he has learned. He's got more hours than a guy does who's got his PhD. And, and we just don't look at it that way. And so, you know, we're, we're every week we're, we're learning and growing and, and seeing things in our Bibles. And, and that just, that point should help us not to be intimidated because when you talk to people, most people don't know, they couldn't find the books of the Bible. <laughs> and we have that wealth of knowledge that helps us so much. Yeah. Now, obviously, to the point of the sermon, the goal is not simply to develop a PhD level of education and then fail to share it fail to use it, right? And so you you use the analogy of building bridges, which I thought also was a, a powerful word picture. Here are disciples of Jesus on one side who are walking with Jesus, and the, the main character on this side of the bridge that matters most is Jesus, right? You, you brought up that evangelism isn't a comparison of which church is right, and people can be quickly turned off by hypocrisy and harshness and haughtiness. What we're trying to do is help someone who doesn't know Jesus to get to the other side so that they can also be with Jesus, right? Building these bridges. So on our side, if you will, of the bridge, we're, we're learning, we're growing. Hopefully we more and more are excited about the, the impact that Jesus can have on our lives. But we cannot be content simply being on our side of the bridge, right? The goal is to build that bridge so that we can bring other people across. And in conjunction with that illustration, you offered two really important ideas that I think for our next few minutes would be great to think about. Number one, the gospel is good news. Make it that way. And number two, don't be afraid to tell your story. So let's start with the first one. How do you think maybe sometimes we fail in our efforts to get people across the bridge by making the gospel something other than the good news that it is? Well, first of all, the very definition of the word gospel is good news. Yeah. 
And, and I think the way some people present it is, I got some bad news about the good news. <laughs> it's just, you know, I, I imagine sitting in a restaurant and uh, the first thing, you know, before they even bring you the food, somebody starts saying, well, yeah, I was in here yesterday and, and there was a hair on my plate and this and this. I mean, and immediately you're just turned off. And the way the guy has presented it, you want to just get up and leave. And it's not presented in a, in a pleasant situation. So, you know, we can make the good news bad news when, when we're just downplaying the, the church, downplaying Jesus, and, and we're just complaining and things aren't right and negative, negative, negative. When I hear that, somebody talking that way, you know, I begin to ask them, well, why are you still in it? You know, I mean, I remember talking to a guy one time, and, and he's just complaining about his house. He didn't like this. He didn't like that. And I just said, well, why don't you move? You know, that, if you don't like it, move. And so we can do that with the gospel. And we sit down with a friend or a family member and say, you know, the Bible is so hard to understand. The Bible is such a big book. The Bible is so old. There are so many words I don't understand. We, we just keep coming over and over and over about that. It's no wonder the person's not going to open the Bible and read it because of the way we have presented it. Yeah. So when we present it, like, you know, I've read zillions of books in my life, but there's no book I read that's like the Bible. It's an awesome book. And every time I open it, I see something I haven't seen before. And it is God talking to me. And, and you start, you start presenting things like that. And, and there was a time in my life when I was really discouraged, or there's a time when, when sorrow was getting the best of me. And I went to this Psalms, or I went over here in Philippians, and man, that helped me. Man, that reminded me. It helped me see that God is still on the throne. And you start talking that way, and what you're doing is you're making it presentable, and you're making it very fun. Now, again, we can do the same thing with our kids. We can say, well, you know, we're going to go to Disney, but it's in Florida, and it's hot. <laughs> I mean, you are going to just sweat and sweat, and there's probably going to be a hurricane, and and the prices are so expensive, we're not going to be able to buy a thing while we're – I mean, you, you talk about it, the kids are going to say, well, why are we going? Yeah. <laughs> why? No, no, you, you don't do it that way. You start talking about the castle. You start talking about the mouse. And you start talking about all the things, and, and they get so excited – it's the way you present it. And I think it's the same way with the gospel. Yeah, you know, I, I think maybe sometimes people who have been married for a long time might be guilty of the same sort of thing as they're trying to encourage someone who is engaged or very newly married. It is easy, if we're not careful, those of us who have been married a while, to major in the frustrations um, maybe even go so far as to put down our spouse in front of other people. And we real, we're failing to realize we're not only hurting ourselves. We're not only making ourselves look bad. We're, we're almost certainly hurting our spouse by doing that, but we're also painting a picture in the minds of those young, inexperienced people that isn't helpful, right? Maybe parents can do that. The same sort of thing with an expectant mother. You know, they hear that uh, she's about to give birth and somebody just offhandedly says, well, better you than me. And, you know, she walks away from that wondering, well, what in the world do, do they mean by that? Our words carry power and that uh, words 
cast a vision in people's minds. They make an impression. How important then the way that we would talk about the Lord's church, how important that we would talk about doctrine, the way that we talk about it, the way that we talk about Jesus in many ways, we are interacting with people who don't know a whole lot about the Bible. They've heard a little bit about Jesus, the way that we talk about him and who we are really makes a big difference. You know, and, and I think of another illustration, and I've I've heard this. I've never really experienced it, but you know, it's, it's the first day of a college lecture. You're in a lecture hall; it's very full. The professor's down there on the floor, and he tells everybody, "Look to your left, look to your right. One of you won't be here by the end of the semester because you're going <laughs> to flunk out." Well, that scares you, and, and you're thinking, "Am I the one who's going to flunk out?" And that takes away the hope that you have. And so, how you present it. Okay, that that's where it starts, and and for those of us that are disciples, we love Jesus, we love His people, we love the book, we love the promises of God, and and when when you wrap yourself around that, it's easy to talk about those things because you love those things, and. And that, that's where I think we sometimes have a hard time with evangelism. We, we, we get it intellectually, but sometimes we don't get it emotionally. And when we, when we get the two of them together, we know that this is the best thing ever and we are excited and passionate about it. It becomes easy to talk about it. And we find other things in life we can talk about. Some guys talk about cars. Ask me about my Dodgers. I can talk all day long about my Dodgers. <laughs> love them. Love them. But you know what? I love the Word of God, and I'm passionate about that. And once we do that, that excitement carries over to the person who's listening to you. And they, too, want that excitement. Well, what is it that you have? I don't. What do you see in this book I haven't seen before? And that's where these bridges begin. Yeah, maybe a good practical reminder for those of us who stand up first thing on a Sunday in front of an assembly of saints. If it really is the best day of the week, let's, let's talk like it. Let's act like it. Let's, let's treat it that way, right? A good practical reminder. Okay. So the gospel is good news. Make sure that we share it as good news. Number two, don't be afraid to tell your story. So we know, Roger, obviously we we don't want to glorify sin. We, we don't want to make ourselves the hero of this story. So where is the balance of making sure Jesus is the hero here, the main character, making sure that we talk about sin as if it is serious, but sharing our story in a way that will be helpful to someone? Well, there's two sides of this. I, I think one side of this is sometimes people get this idea that I've messed up so many times in my life, God doesn't want me. Yeah. And, and, and so hearing someone that they know, hearing a family member or hearing a dear friend say, you know, I too have made mistakes. I too have sinned in my life, uh, but God has forgiven me. That, that, that is a lot of help there and, and a lot of encouragement to that. And then, and then the other side of the story is, is sometimes people see us, especially when they visit, uh, like a Sunday morning assembly and they may see, well, these are perfect people. I mean, they're all look nice. They're all smiling. Their lives are together. Here comes somebody and maybe his marriage is a wreck. Maybe his self is a wreck. And he's just thinking, you know, I, I, I just, I 
can't fit in here. I can't be one of these people. I'm not perfect. But when they hear your story, that's your number one, you're, you're a work in progress, and every day you need Jesus, and you have sinned, and you still sin, and you still need forgiveness, what makes you who you are is Jesus. That is the difference. And so for people to understand, you know, and, and again, sometimes uh Sadly, we can come across that way even in the pulpit sometimes. People look up and say, well, probably the sin that preacher ever did was maybe he fibbed on his, to his mother or something. You know? <laughs> and, and, and they don't realize that, that some of us have been in jail. Some of us have been drunks. Some of us have been on drugs. So we all have sinned. And it doesn't matter how dark the sin is, but Jesus changed our life. And so from that Mark 5 passage about the demon possession, you know, you know, here's somebody who, if you look at, he's probably the worst candidate we would pick to be the first one to go tell other people. He had been naked. He was living in tombs. He's screaming night and day. He had been chained and broken the chains. He was a mess. But Jesus said, go home and tell your people what great things the Lord has done. And so the Lord has done great things to all of us. And part of the story is, where would I be today without Jesus? And sometimes we don't think about that. You know, would I even be alive today had it not been for Jesus? Would I be in jail today if it had not been for Jesus? How many marriages would I have traced by now had it not been for Jesus? Had it not been for Jesus, what attitudes would I have? What addictions would I have? Jesus has changed my life. And I think people need to see that. They need to see that just common, everyday people like them need Jesus. Jesus is not just for that guy who's on death row. Jesus is not for the guy for the guy who is just what we may think is the worst of society. Everybody needs Jesus. My coworker needs Jesus. This person that that I sit beside in my classroom, he needs Jesus. And they need to see, even though we may look the same and economically be about the same level, we still need Jesus. And hearing that from you. I think it gives a lot of hope, especially when you have a relationship with that person. Yeah, it's a good reminder that our responsibility as disciples is not to be judges of the quality of the soil, right? Or the uh, forecasters of the receptiveness of the soil. Our responsibility, as we've talked a lot the last couple of weeks about, is simply to sow the seed. You you describe that demon-possessed man in Mark 5 as a, an unlikely candidate. The Bible is full of those, right? I think of the, the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Jesus uncovers that she's had five husbands and the man she's living with is not her husband. And yet by the end of John chapter four, she goes into the city and the entire city comes out because of what she has to say about Jesus. She went and told about the impact that he had had on her life, right? That is, that is powerful. Early on in my work as a preacher, I had a, a great example of that that has just really stuck with me. I will never forget. It was the the very first Sunday my family and I were starting working with a church in Akron, Ohio. I had preached that morning. We were so excited to be there. And I had a brother pull me aside. We 
the the vast majority of people were still there, and so I wasn't exactly sure what he had in mind, but he pulled me over in a side room and introduced himself, said he was glad that we were there, and and he just wanted me to know that as long as I was there, if ever I ran across someone who maybe was struggling with substance abuse, struggling with making some really bad decisions that had wrecked their life. He said, I don't know you. I'm looking forward to getting to know you. I I don't know what you've been through, but I'm here to tell you I've been down some dark roads. And he shared a few of those, but he said, Jesus absolutely changed my life. And I want you to know, if I can be of ever help with you talking to someone else, I'm here and I would love to tell them my story. Roger, that sort of thing is powerful. It is. And and, and I've got stories like that, too. Uh, there, was, there was a time I was in a gospel meeting and the night before, uh, somebody in their 20-year-old had been arrested mm-hmm. and he was in, he was in a local jail. And so the preacher and I went to visit that jail, and the preacher in his suit sat down on that dirty floor, you know, as that guy was sitting down on the dirty floor, and he, and he looked at that young man and said, you know, I've worn orange before with the words jail on the back. Hmm. He said, but I, I now preach the gospel. And, and that was so profound to, to, to see, you know. I mean, you know, I didn't know that about the preacher, and I, I was kind of shocked at first. I think, wow, I didn't know you'd been arrested. I didn't know you'd been in jail. But it, Jesus has changed his life, and all of us have a story like that. And, again, it's not to see who can who can come up with the most horrific story. You know, my, my story is worse than your story. Or, you know, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. And some of us, you know, compared to others, we may not have done as bad, but that doesn't matter. We still need Jesus. All of us, Paul tells us in the book of Romans, have sinned. And so every one of us has a story. Every one of us has been changed by Jesus. And that's what people need to see is that no matter what you've done, how long you've done it, no matter how many people it's hurt, you can change. And the power is not in self-help groups. It's not in AA. It's not in you know support groups, support animals. Your your help is in Jesus, and that's the that's evangelism. That's sharing the news. It's converting the heart. It's changing your behavior. It's changing your outlook. It's changing the way you think because of Jesus. Yeah, evangelism is important around the world and across the street. Good way of summarizing the last couple of Sundays. We have had a a good couple of weeks as together we have just opened God's word and reminded ourselves of the importance of sharing this good news. Lots of resources right there on the front page of charlestownroad.org. Roger, thanks for getting us to think about this good news right here in our own backyard. It is Wednesday night and We've got the opportunity. We're inviting all, of course, to take advantage of this opportunity as we wrap up our Wednesday evening summer series. Absolutely. It's been a great, great series. It started back in July, going through all of July and all of August. And now we've come to the very last lesson. Our theme has been the hymn, Higher Ground. 
And tonight we invite our friend Bubba Gardner to be with us, and his topic is going to be Till Heaven I Found. And it has just been an incredible series. All of this is on our website, and we encourage you to go back and listen to some of these. Just been great lessons, great variety of preachers, young and old, some new to us, some that are just a familiar face to us. But we have just loved and enjoyed as these men have been with us, sharing their hearts about Jesus Christ. We would love to have you join us tonight at 7 o'clock p.m. I've got the opportunity, Lord willing, this Sunday morning to preach, and I'm actually going to pull out one more phrase from that hymn. And uh, Roger, you and I, we were a part of planning this summer series late last year. We only had nine slots, so we could only pick nine phrases. And one of the ones that we didn't pick, but obviously we've been singing the hymn, Higher Ground, all summer long. It struck me, this this phrase at the beginning of the third verse, I want to live above the world. What exactly does that mean? How... How can we come to be above the world? Does that mean we're better than the world? And if not, well, what does it mean and and what does it require of us? I want to dig around in that phrase a little, and of course, we can trace it straight to the New Testament. That will be 9.30 a.m., Lord willing, this Sunday morning. What about Sunday evenings? Sunday evening, we're going to go to the Old Testament, the book of Second Samuel, chapter 24, where the Lord tells an angel to relax his hand. We're going to talk about the story, and then we're going to talk about some practical things in which we, too, need to relax our hand. So, Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. It would be great to see you tonight at 7 o'clock p.m. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week, and we would love to have you come and grow with us.